0: The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on InspireFM.
1: Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Sister Speak. You're here with me, Fareem, and we also join in the studio with me, Mariam, and me, Sonia. It's good to have you here, guys. Um, before we start, Mariam, do you want to tell everyone what our show is about?
2: Yes, so our show is a platform for Muslim girls to voice their own opinions on current events and issues and even form discussions on general topics such as religion, culture and politics. We also talk about identity and want to note that all opinions and views are our own and respect all other opposing views. This is a recorded show, so if you do want to give your input, you can message, to us, message us on Sister Speak on Instagram or message us on Facebook. We'd still love to hear your thoughts.
1: You can also follow us on TikTok, where we'll be posting uh, lots of content, and it'll show snippets of the show. So now, before we get started with our hot topic, we're going to share our thoughts for the week, which is just a random
0: thought that we have. So, uh, Sanya, do you want to start? Yes, my thought of the week is regarding radio and also partaking in radio. So I just wanted to talk about the year, obviously it's 2023, it's a new year. You look at what you're doing in life, the money you're spending, the hobbies you have, the commitments you've made. And um, firstly, it's good to actually review these things because I found out I was paying direct debit for something that I no longer am a member of yeah so please guys go over these things check it um but aside from that i thought okay what am i making time for work um hobbies side hustle gym etc etc and obviously radio is one of them and i thought this is not something i want to compromise on because i really really enjoy it and i want it to do well um and also it's a good time to have these discussions because when else do you really have this dedicated time to talk to other people I mean, you do generally in life with your friends or maybe at work, and um, but the way we do it, like a plan and, you know, we have some excitement around our shows as well. So I just wanted to talk about radio and my thought of the week is if it's something you think you might be interested in taking out an hour or two weekly, partaking in shows, presenting, social media, uh, researching. Um, just giving your time somewhere, just a few hours, and you know we want to go wider as well. It we, we is volunteering at the end of the day, so volunteering in different aspects in the community. Um, please do get in touch with us regarding that. Uh, but my thought of the week is how I like to and um, continue to make time for radio.
1: Yeah, I agree because we make a plan before every show when we have this structure that we can, you know, also research the topic and it gives us more knowledge about it. So I agree with you. And with radio, it. Like I said, last in the last um, live show, it also makes us, it's a reflection for us. So we can reflect, we don't reflect as much as we do in the shows when we're like in real life. Mariam, what is your thought of the week?
2: Yeah, just on that Now, if you do want to join our radio show, you can email us at sisterspeak at inspirefm.org. So I'll repeat that, sisterspeak at inspirefm.org. And we'd love to hear from you, like Sonia mentioned. We are looking for people from different areas. So if you're interested in social media, helping us to create TikToks, helping us to create Reels, Instagram, you don't even need to showcase your face on these uh, Instagram posts, but you can help in terms of the creation of it. Or if you're interested in research, um, you know we, we try to research show, we try to lia- liaise with different stakeholders. We try to have guests from a range of areas of work. Um, again, that's another s- space that you could potentially be involved with. So if you do, if you are interested, if you have any sisters or cousins or uh, even aunties, who knows, um, do t- do let us know. Our email is sisterspeak at inspirefm.org. Um, my thought of the week is quite related to the topic of today, um, uh, the hot topic, um, which is about reflection and uh, our New Year's resolution. Um, recently I've been trying to pick up um, my studies uh, that I kind of put aside because I was extremely inundated in December with family commitments um, and it came to a point where I just think I always give up on this studies I always give up on Arabic studies because I always find it so difficult and it always comes to a hot midway point where I make that decision okay I'm just going to start again for afresh but this time there's something in me and said that no I'm even if I'm finding it challenging I'm going to catch up I had around seven lessons to catch up on um and I just thought I'm just going to try as much as I can because it's. Uh, I read this quote where it said that when things get difficult, learn to rest, not to quit. And I just thought there's something so profound and tried to kind of embody that. And alhamdulillah, I just felt so good again. When I start to uh, revise again, I realized, okay, this is the reason why I want to do Arabic. You know, I have a long-term goal in this and this, I know, I have a, um, something that I wanted to do for years now since I was in sixth form I even had the intention to do this after I graduated so for me I think my thought of it really surrounds it it really surrounds the idea of not to give up uh, especially when it comes to um, on your goals don't give up on your goals and uh, even when there is a time there's um, there's a stagnation just take rest and then come back to it slowly it's it's always about the first step.
1: Yeah I feel like sometimes when uh, we are interested in something then we start putting it off because you think, Oh, well, I'm interested I'm interested in it so I'm you know, I'll get it done. But then I feel like if you start and then you don't, you know, continue that then you're just gonna start fresh and you're gonna get bored and you're gonna lose interest in it. So that's really good that you took up on your Arabic studies. I was actually learning Arabic as well, but I like what i'm saying i put it off like i wanted to learn it i was interested in it and then i just saw it like a chore so you gave me i'm gonna start again
2: yeah i think it's a you know even from the islamic perspective it's all about uh, consistencies rather than you know your output so if you're if you're consistent you do a little every single day it's a much more conducive to your result than it is someone if if you do it in in a dispersed way. And actually, there's actually, in, in, in Islam, if you do things consistently for the sake of Allah, there's more barakah in it. You actually, in, in Islam, we believe this. So I think even just uh, thinking about your intentions and just trying to do smaller pa- amounts every single day, it makes it more realistic makes it more sustainable and it's easy on you. Um, I, I've talked about Atomic Habits before, the book, because it's an incredible book. And even in this book, it kind of highlights how it's really important if you want to create a habit, you need to make it something that's attractive or appealing. And if you make it too hard for yourself, you are unlikely to do it. So to make, do to it smaller chunks, is really, really important.
1: Yeah, consistency is key, like everyone says. Um, I'm going to move to my thought of the week. Uh, my thought of the week is super random, as it should. Uh, my thought of the week is about naps. So I don't know if you guys take naps. I don't know if it's something <laughs>
2: Siesta,
1: Spanish <laughs> I don't think it was really normal but for me it's so normal, especially on Fridays because it's like the end of the week so every single time, it doesn't matter what I have to do that day. I never make plans on Fridays and I just sleep. But I don't know if it's a really it's a nap. How, it's long, like, how long is it to sleep? Like 8 hours. That's, what that's just <laughs> the sleep. That's, that's just not sleep. That's yeah. not a nap. <laughs> I like to think of it as a nap so I feel productive about it but Yeah, I take really, really long naps. I'm like a koala. The longest nap I've took was like 15 hours or something. I know. I don't don't even think it's a nap. But (laughs) I feel like at the end of the week, it's good to make me rest. Because then in the weekend, I have stuff to do as well. So, yeah.
0: yeah. And then, I don't know. Did you guys say naps? So, I have very strong feelings about naps. I hate Naps. I absolutely hate napping. I can sleep. I enjoy sleeping in the night when it's time to sleep for the next day. Napping I hate because I wake up disorientated, discombobulated, angry. There's never been a nap where I woke up happy or ready to start my next thing. You know, napping for me in the middle of a time when I shouldn't be sleeping is so confusing and it takes me out of the world. I just don't know why anyone would nap.
1: I I woke up with the same feeling, but I love that feeling. And you know, actually, I saw there was like a um, class about the sleep therapy that obviously I obviously needed to watch.
0: And I watched it, and naps are supposed to be twenty minutes, and then after yeah. that it's just sleep. so. But even twenty minute naps for me, I had one the other day because I tried it. Mm-hmm. I thought, let me not be negative. You know, don't try that. You can't complain without trying yet, um, which I have done before and like five years ago and i thought okay let me try again no did not work at all woke up my neck was hurting i was like is it daylight is it nighttime? i don't know what's going on with the world why have i got sleep in my eye like it just wasn't work for me it's like am i going into sleep am i um, hardly sleeping and waking up again i don't get it for me yeah and then <laughs> i think for
2: me it's just like i get headaches it's just like it, it takes me 20 minutes to even think about napping and then it's just like, <laughs> it just feels like a, another thing to do so I just don't want to do it but um, on the
0: other on the flip side my work right colleague he naps and he loves he goes he needs to nap before a big thing so not necessarily but like if he's got a gym if he has a nap before gym that's going to be the best gym session he ever had. Or if he's going to an event, he'll nap before the event. I don't get it, but he loves it, and he says it works for him. Yeah, it's,
1: like, different for other people. I've been napping since I was, like, 12 every day after school, so every day, every Friday is my, like, my nap. So, when can you just explain? So, you come home from school. I come home at 2, I eat, and then by, like, I eat, it takes me, like, 40 minutes. By 3 p.m., I'm in deep sleep. Yeah, sleep, yeah. When do you wake up? Like, 10 p.m. or something. What do you do then? Then I just... That's the time to sleep. That's yeah, that's the time <laughs> to sleep. I just bother my siblings, uh, so yeah. I'm, I don't get bored. Annoying them. <clears throat> so now we are gonna move out uh, mm-hmm. to our hot topic, which is which is New Year's resolutions and how sustainable it is if we actually do it, because obviously it was New Year's um, like a week ago. So um, have you guys? Do you guys have any resolutions for this year?
2: I don't think I consciously made a new re- New year's resolution but I did think that okay this month I want to get on back to Arabic which I'm trying my best to do and it's uh, just join the gym which I have done and I have been this week so I feel like it's just very early stages and I don't want to say it because I have this thing that I don't like to tell people my goals because then I get that false sense of grat- like gratification that I've done it but I haven't done it Oh, Mary
0: well done joining the gym though Thank you. I remember you talking about it
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if you tell people then you have a bit of pressure that you have to do it so I like telling people that I'm going to do this yeah, so, so that like accountability do it, yeah but I don't
2: feel that I don't feel accountability I just feel like they're gonna give me that gratification like you just clap for me and i'm like oh well i don't know oh no no no, no, it's completely fine you guys just have to ask me every week about (laughs) me um Mm. so that for me that's why i don't really because it's always the surface level when you tell people right it's not everything so i just want to develop a habit first that i know that i'm going to stick to um so far it's been good alhamdulillah um i really enjoy like going to the gym and it's just like quite relaxing actually to me after after the gym sh- uh, session i feel really relaxed which so just
1: quite nice that's
0: really good i think i should join the gym as well to have you guys everybody feeling. needs to be on it what I'm, about you Sonia? so Please. i've continued you know thank you i've continued gym from last year um, and and it is just the best guys but do you know one thing i will say about these routines and so on is that um i don't know the statistics maybe you guys might know this but it takes amount, a certain amount of time for something to become part of your routine right yeah. But do you know how amazing it is? that Once it's in your routine, you don't think twice about it. That we need to get there. That feeling is perfect because I'll give it gym for example. When I first started, I hated it because it, I never had time. So I was like, oh, I have to go after work. I'm already tired from the working day. I have to travel there. I have to pack my bag, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That took a few weeks, on and off, on and off. Then you flop on yourself. You start again. You quit. You start again. But once it's part of your routine it doesn't even feel like anything it's just part of the day you wake up you brush your teeth right you just carry on same thing you just carry on work gym come home sleep nap whatever you do for me. <laughs> but um i think that's a very good thing to take away from all of this is the routines that you make um it can be anything though it could just be like um i'm trying to think like even studying or say um cleaning your bedroom or cleaning the bathroom you don't have to make it a chore. it could just be a casual routine saturday morning i wake up i do this part of my routine i it just feels natural your brain isn't thinking about it and i love that so when you get to that stage that's just the bliss it's perfect yeah because if you do it consistently you don't even think of it as something outside of your routine it's like brushing your teeth waking up or even like my younger sister when she used to go to a mosque and i'm sure a lot of people used to go to like when you learn how to read the quran it was like five to seven so it's a school after school you go home quickly have a snack or change your clothes or whatever get ready uh for mosque and then they go to mosque from 5 p.m to 7 p.m and the first few times i do remember obviously every child like, oh i'm tired i don't want to go i'm lazy once it's part of the routine it's normal they, they don't even think twice that's it they're gone going to your mosque and you come back at seven o'clock we rearranged the date according to that so yeah. yeah those routines are so important i read this
2: quote and it was um saying that your life is a combination of habits and that's why you should really be conscious about your habits.
1: Nice. What are some new year, uh, like actually new
0: things that you haven't done this past year that you're actually going to include this year? Let's think, I'm going to meal prep. <laughs> I hate to be talking about the healthy thing again, but it is, I just want to cook a bit more and prepare my own food for Uh, that's starting tomorrow hopefully I've literally written it down when you write things down it's real right so I wrote it down I did tell a friend because I'm kind of like that I need my accountability I need someone to remind me as well so we remind each other but at the same time I'm a bit like Mariam so I do have a bigger goal which I'm not even going to say on radio like that's how big of a goal (laughs) is because I have that thing where I feel like you don't want to tell anyone yet because you want to make it happen (laughs) Yeah. yeah you want it to happen so I tell you now it's already like you know, it's, it, for me, it's lessened the. I don't know how to describe it. I think you said it well the gratification. You kind of feel like you really spoken about. It's real. I have a goal to get something before the end of this year. So I need to work on getting it back. Basically.
1: You know, the thing that on the 31st of December, it's 12 uh, p- a.m., whatever. And you start and you like, it's that day where you have to start your resolutions. And I think, like you're saying, you're going to start today. but yeah New Year's was a week
0: oh yeah I'm going to start tomorrow even though it's going to be the what day tomorrow 7th 8th the 8th of January January that's what I'm
1: saying I don't think anyone and if you do this I'm like in war because nobody starts their resolutions the day they make them like on the 1st of January I've never everything's shut
0: on the 1st of January anyway yeah that's true
1: (laughs) that's why nobody has like really opportunity to do it and I feel like on 2nd of January then the gyms are full because everyone's doing their
0: dietary like things and health requirements but I think it's a good point you make you can start now you can start tomorrow and you can start next week as well so it's not, don't feel like, oh, January is nearly over and I haven't done anything. And it's like, that's fine. Now you still have time now. Yeah, They're a little bit always... of late, but never. Exactly. I feel
2: like it's generally the month itself. It's just trying to figure out and exploring what habits work for you as well. Um, you don't have to be exactly meticulous about how you kind of reach your goals. It's just finding a way that works for you.
1: Yeah, I agree. So... Year's resolutions? You didn't tell us yours, me. Yeah, so um, my resolutions for this year, um, I feel like every year I make one, I don't even make resolutions, I just have important stuff every month. So for example, this month I'm taking my NNAT, so that's like kind of a resolution, but if I didn't book it, then it wouldn't be a resolution this month of January, I don't know if you, so it's like 12 resolutions, like one for each month. So for February, yeah, so I just have, I want to pass my NNAT, be a bit more social than I was last year and I feel like on the 1st of January I didn't do any of this stuff obviously because it's more I think my resolutions this year is more about my you know my health how my personality how I behave nothing outside of like going to the gym which I do want to do but nothing that I have to commit too much to to it I love that I love that it's that
2: you have something to work towards every month. And I think that makes it really sustainable. Even for me, I don't see gym as a, I'm not telling myself this is a whole year thing. And I look at it by week. Since one week I wanna go twice, that's enough. So if I keep saying only twice a week uh, or three times a week, that's very doable. I don't look at it as this whole month I'm gonna do this many times. So for me, it, it helps me to kind of just think, okay, this is quite achievable. I don't look at it really long-term.
0: Yeah, I, I think even a week, you can look at things that you want to achieve in that week, right? Yeah. So instead of making goals hard for yourself or unattainable think about every step that you need to to take like for example you said your uh, exam that you're taking but that's for a wider picture right that's to get into law study a law degree and so on but i like that you've made your goal you like really whittled it down to exactly what you need to do for the exact steps you need to to get there and then you'll have to pass your a-levels and then you have to you know i like those yeah. steps that you
1: will it's like everything i feel like everything's little steps you can never take a big step and like you can't but i feel like if you take little steps and you learn a bit more in a way and a big step maybe is too harsh or it's too like oh i'm like here yeah. now yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah i agree Um, So yeah, I think that's our hot topic. Should we introduce the main topic?
1: Yeah, so this is, uh, we're going to introduce the main topic now. So we're going to talk about growing up Muslim in a Muslim household. So we all grew up in a Muslim household, alhamdulillah, our parents are Muslim. So yeah, we're going to start with the first question. So my first question to you guys is how did you learn about Islam and what are some things that you learn at home about the religion?
2: um, For me, I think it's been a process, and I kind of want to start off with this um, quote that I really resonate with, is that um, a lot of people feel that you, when you are Muslim, you become quite complacent in terms of your learning and your discovering. But I feel like there's this quote that someone shared that I feel has really impacted me, is that you can be born Muslims, but you can still find Islam. And I think that really captures my kind of journey in Islam. Um, I went to Islamic school for a very, very short while. Um, and then I left after maybe a year or two um, it was very disgruntled in that time but due to personal circumstances and it didn't really suit me the teaching style and in the way they taught Islam um, in my personal opinion it was actually something that really made me feel okay is this what Islam means but I feel that it was just more reflection of cultural thinking as opposed to actually what Islam is um, so alhamdulillah it was only two years so I was quite grateful that I came out. Once I came out of that school um, and I started to discover Islam myself, mm-hmm. uh, I started to watch multiple, multiple YouTube videos. So I used to watch Omar Suleiman, Khan, kind of mainstream um, sheikhs. So I was quite careful in, t- in terms of what knowledge I would get from the internet because it's very easy to find things that are not authentic. Um, and obviously, I was very young and impressionable. So I just wanted to go with someone that is uh, commended, someone that has the credentials to be able to uh, talk about Islam. So that in that period, I learnt a lot from like these Islamic talks. I looked at topics that I was um, interested uh, that I was interested in. Uh, when I went to university, uh, I feel that I wanted to. Um, I joined, tried to join Islamic societies as we all do. Again, that was something. wasn't in terms of um, gaining knowledge. It wasn't something that I learnt any knowledge from, but it was just meeting a, a diverse amount of Muslims. I do feel that the university I went to and the Islamic society that I went to, and a lot of Muslims do face this, and I think we can dedicate a show on this as well, is that uh, we felt that there's like a disparity between people who feel that they can be part of Islamic society and the people that can't. So you know, there's just a, a certain essence of an islamic society where you have to fit this certain notion of that you're good enough or you're islamic enough and i feel like a lot of people felt that so even the people that i was friends with they want i said let's go to islamic society and they would say they would refuse because they said i don't wear hijab and they're going to see comments And at first i was quite shocked and I, I felt really sad that the whole point of islamic society is to be accommodated to everyone It should even accommodate even to non-muslims that's the whole point of it um but when I started to engage Islamic societies, I really felt that there is actually a lot of regressive mentality in there. And that's why my personal choice is I disengaged with Islamic society, actually, completely. Um, all I would do is attend gym, and I actually had a personal, um, when I tried to even try to com- have conversation with them, there was one instance which was quite shocking. And I'm, the only reason why I'm saying it on radio show is because if you are in an Islamic society or if you are in a position, I think it's really important to be conscious of this. And... Um, uh yeah, so there was I, I said to two of the sisters that could you please um have a uh, event where you are inviting other faith groups uh to like an interfaith kind of event. Um and I said I'll help you facilitate it. I was working in the students' union. It'd be great for Dawah because in my opinion I wanted to uh give a good reputation to Islamic society especially because there wasn't much there wasn't any Muslims particularly work in the Students' Union. Um, And unfortunately, the Society kind of had a bad reputation for not being very organised, unfortunately. But a lot of student societies do that. So it's completely Understandable, um, so I wanted to kind of make sure that this society is embodying the concept of Essan excellence, and I wanted to support them to do that. So when I went to the Juma, uh I I said to those two sisters, "Oh, would you like? Uh, would you? What do you think of having an interfaith event? You know, I can facilitate food for you. I can facilitate an event space for you." But we should do this. This will be very good in recognition of what Islamic society is about and embodying the values. The two head sisters turned around and said to me, and this is in front of everyone, Marim, you like remixing, mixing so you do it. And they laughed. Yeah, they laughed right into my face. And I was so astonished that they said that to me directly. And it was Jummah. So there was lots of people in the area to like for, to prayers. And I just was quite taken aback. And I just That is
0: shocking. Yes, yes is so I, tried shocking. To, I
2: tried to defend myself and I was like, no, it's not about that. It's about getting, you know, it's like letting Islamic society mm-hmm. visible and also showing that we're very blue and we're, we're open. We we try to comment with the community because that's what our religion is about. And they just continue to laugh. Sorry, but if you're in establishment that's university anyway, which is mixed
0: anyway, <laughs> you <laughs> cannot be accusing you of saying yeah, something so like then, and, I, Yeah,
2: so then, yeah, it was uh, quite, it was, I just felt that this was very... It's not exclusive to my experience. And you had,
0: had a very good intention but what yes, you said as well. They weren't even willing to hear your intentions. Yeah,
2: so I feel like that made me feel like, okay, I don't, I'm don't. i trying to help you. And I also knew what they were doing as well. There were so many things that they were doing that was, you know, I felt very un-Islamic um, in terms of practices and just logistical, logistically. Because I worked in the Students' Union and I saw that and it made me feel really embarrassed that I'm so proud to be Muslim and I would go tell everyone I'm Muslim, even the Students' Union, I would say to them this is my religion i'm so proud of it and then I have this society that is doing the complete opposite of what they should be doing um so to me it was like i was giving them and i wanted to have the best opinion of them and i thought maybe this requires support and i'm here to help them so that in that case was it was really it was really upsetting but um to be honest i just think this is symptomatic of Many other issues uh, that actually come from management of Islamic societies and the mentality. Um, because a lot of the times, unfortunately, in Islamic societies, they don't allow women to be in leadership positions. And it really does not make sense because it's supposed to be election based, actually. You're supposed to vote in the president. And so there's a lot of politics that people sway people's opinions and then they vote certain people, but they don't actually do it fairly. So there's just a lot of issues that we should kind of talk about one day separately. Um, but kind of the short, long story short, I think my experience was it was quite difficult at that time because I was really upset by it. But all it just made me do is disengage with them. But Alhamdulillah, it didn't make me think, okay, Islam is right I just thought this is just cultural mentality and
0: it's it's always the representation. Yeah, so then
2: that actually prompted me to think actually I want to do something myself. So what I did was although my society wasn't it was very nothing to do with Islam, it was actually more literature, poetry. (laughs) Um I started the society and I used my platform and I alhamdulillah, I was able to host the first iftar in the university and I had about mm. 200 people and it was my third event ever. Um and I had a very diverse exactly why I attended. I even reached out to Islamic Society but they refused. No, no, no idea why. Um again, they kind of have that same mentality that this the society doesn't represent the values that Islamic society has. Which I can understand like from a thick point point of view, I get I get why they said that. Um, but I said to them, I'm happy to take my society's name out of it and just hope you guys organize an iftar um, and let's collaborate because i can make it big again they refuse but alhamdulillah and um we are coming to the end of the first half but long story short what i would say is that you will have a lot of experiences when you're trying to engage with islam um but just don't see that as a reflection of the religion just it's a reflection of that person or individual assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh
1: Assalamu alaikum, this is Atif Nawaz. Listen to InspireFM shows in your time by heading over to InspireFM.org or listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Assalamu alaikum, and welcome to the second part of the show. We are here from Sister Speak. Um, so in the first half of the show, we were talking about our New Year's resolutions, how sustainable they are. We also talked talked about our own resolutions and how what steps we are doing to get to that point. We were also talking about the main topic, which is growing up in a Muslim household. How we do, did we learn to pray about Islam, about the religion, and how we feel about growing up in a Muslim household? So, Mariam, you were talking about this so do you want to just elaborate where you left off
2: yes so um i was just talking about my experience where i had a confrontation with someone uh, with the islamic society that was was very um unacceptable um in my opinion um where they refused to kind of do an event because they kind of humiliated me um and uh, kind of the reason why i shared this is just to show that this experience is just exclusive to these individuals. It's not a representation of how accommodating and how beautiful and how, how fluid Islam is and how encompassing it is of your individual journey. Um, you know, there's so much mercy in Rahman Islam. And I think one of the things for me that really makes me feel connected to Islam is the the most significant the significance that it has towards emotional intelligence and having having manners and taking care of people and um, I mentioned in a different show about how important it is when someone's talking to you to the Prophet wasalam, he moved his whole body um, just to talk to that person to make that person feel special and I think these qualities, is something, these qualities are really fundamental in our religion and they're the kind of the kind the of kind of thing that is a catalyst for me to kind of keep learning about Islam. So for me, uh, my journey to Islam was firstly to learn about character because that was my interest and how do I improve myself in terms of my character and what were the qualities of our religion uh, from our prophet- prophetic tradition. Because if you think about Islamic history and if you study the seerah, the rules that came out of Islam in terms of what's halal and haram came out very, often, very, very later. It was actually more about... Giving someone's rights, taking care of people's trust, um, it's about modesty in terms of your character as opposed to actually the apparel that you wear. So those are things were really uh, uh, the things that kind of drew me to Islam. And I really watched so many talks, and I, as I mentioned, the first half that I found this really really interesting, and I wanted to embody that myself and I still feel that's a journey that I'm really interested in Um, and then I moved to university like I said about the experience that I had Uh, once I left university I started to do Islamic courses on like Seerah um, just to gain more knowledge because I felt that my degree was quite solely on comprehension because I did English literature and I thought our Quran has a lot of stories, it has a lot of comprehension, you have to understand contextually what was happening and I developed those skills on a degree level So I wanted to apply that to understanding my religion more and discovering it more. So I think for me personally, my journey has been quite individual. I haven't felt that someone is forcing me to believe something because I'm exploring it myself. Um, I I do have sometimes those um, confrontations where I see culture being mixed with religion. And that's what makes me really uncomfortable. Um, But also, I think that has opened my mind as well to be understanding why those people are seeing Islam for this way because it's what they've been taught. That's all they know. And if I went if I went to the same situation situation as them, then I probably would come to that conclusion too. So it's made me a bit more open minded in how I receive that. Um because before I remember when I was young and I think this was just a amalgamation of everyone's opinion is that if someone else believes something different, I would outright think it's wrong. Like, you cannot do this. Yeah. But what I have as I've grown older and now have like discovered Islam more better is there's different opinions and that's completely fine it will come from the Quran at so the end of the day, it's just a different way of viewing things. So that's kind of my kind of journey, I'm still growing and learning and I think that's the beauty of Islam, that you're always going to learn and that's how Islam was founded, it's about attaining knowledge and progressing. And
1: yeah, Islam is such a big religion, I feel like you learn something, every little thing about it every day and I think an important thing that you said is that you, and highlight your individual journey, which I think is really important because you really learn about the religion and you feel connected to it if you do your own research yourself. And like you said, listening to talks or anything, and maybe the, the things that like your parents are like, teaching you about Islam, they're okay, and you're like, okay, well, what about this? And maybe you disagree with your parents, and that's okay because Islam is so many things. So you do your research, you do your individual journey, and then you feel more connected connected to the religion. So Sania, now we are going to go over to you? How did you learn?
2: Uh, just to interrupt before you ask, Sania, just to give a caveat: um, in no way I'm saying that you should not. Uh, you should gain knowledge and make your own interpretation. Um, a lot of the I, I started off watching YouTube videos by scholars who had credentials, and then I started to take courses under a teacher. I think it's really fundamental that you get a teacher to teach you the core of Islam or even any kind of concept because it it stops you from swaying uh, or having misinformation also to kind of follow your desire because that's a quite scary territory to enter as well so always make sure you try to get a teacher there's so many online courses particularly I I chose Faith Institute and my teacher was Shabir Hassan, Um, you guys can google him um, because I felt that he's very easy to understand, he was someone born in the UK he's also from an Asian background and uh, he's under thirty as well, so he understands our kind of issues. So try to find a teacher, is because it, it I think it's really really important. There's there's describing stage, but when you want to actually learn, you need to have a teacher. There's no way you can have not have a teacher.
1: Yeah, make sure there's things certified so you're actually learning about islam and you're you not know, like get, getting misguided about some other things that you think are islam but they're not okay now sonia we're gonna go over <laughs> to <Apod> you. <laughs>
0: That's fine. Thank you i think ma- what Marion just said though really resonates with me because i have never been through that process yet so i am probably yet to go through that um so if we're talking about why did i learn about islam from the beginning it was obviously i would say a mosque but by mosque i mean you know when you learn how to read the quran um yeah exactly but we had it like five days a week i think but the good thing is as i grew older um my parents were like because we're girls we're all girls they wanted us to have a more tailored to woman in islam kind of teacher so we got a female teacher to teach me at home and what i liked about her is she was teaching us everything not just the quran but all these things that no one else really teaches you like if you grew up in a muslim household as you said sometimes you might have parents that are very proactive and they dedicate time to teach things about our religion um most of the time for me it's here as it's as and when so oh no we don't do that that's not allowed or oh, yeah yeah that yeah, this is part of our religion this is how to pray so yet yeah, praying i can admit that was taught by my parents from a very young age and naturally I think kids copy their parents if you see your parents doing it you just jump on the prayer mat and start doing it underneath them and um, so that's fine but like very very specific things like how you know things to do with like uh how you live your life and the habits you form and stuff I'm lucky I had a mosque teacher that was well, not a mosque teacher she was just an Islamic teacher that was teaching us this stuff um then that stopped um I had the opposite experience at I saw, completely opposite so when I went to university um I don't know if it's because we had less Muslims at my university, so we actually all really stuck together, because yeah, we had very less ethnic and people of colour, very less Muslims, so those that were, we stuck together, and I met so many different sects of Islam that I didn't, some of them I didn't even know existed. Um, Obviously, there was a lot, sometimes there's stigma, and people have a little thing where they're like, oh, because you're different, you're wrong, which is so, it's not the right thing to think. Like you said, it's all from the Quran, if you if you do have the same beliefs um but i think for me that really opened my eyes because i thought wow like i'm meeting people from different countries um different sects in islam but we all come together for this one thing so it was really nice um also we had loads of interfaith things we had lots of events we had like spoken word events and discover islam was always we always had a discover islam week at our university Mm -hmm. um and even though, like you said, we are Muslim and grew up Muslim households, I was discovering Islam in those weeks. I was learning things that I've never knew before. Um, so university for me actually really helped, and it's so ironic because if I tell people where I went to uni and so on, you'd think that uni is known for being di- like weird, and we're known for very different things. The university, but but the ISOC was good. It was strong, um, and you know both in the female side and the girl side. I do think there was such a good leadership for openness, um. And then I went to Umrah in 2019, and that was the first time that I prayed Jumma in a mosque. So before that, it was either at school, university, or at home, um, but seeing obviously Jumma prayer, and then the ladies are usually behind, or when it's a huge mosque like that is even amongst, you might be next to your dad, like these things happen in these huge mosques sometimes. Um, and it was amazing because it's, it's different, obviously, you're in literally in Saudi Arabia, um, and I think that for me was like, because I was at an older age, I was, how old was I, like 21. So it's an older age where you have to take the onus on yourself and study it yourself. You can't just rely on what your parents think or what you've learned growing up. And that's when I started trying studying online, looking at YouTube videos as well. And... Um, but having taken that final step, I think what Mariam said as well is that if you actually want to learn, you need a teacher. Because you're right, I think sometimes you go down your own rabbit holes of what you want to learn in that... In, right, okay, that topic just came up in your head. Oh, what do we do? think about this in Islam? And then you just focus on that, and you, you just focus on that for so long. And it's like, okay, you've learned that now, or you think you know that now, move on to something else. So it's def- very, very true. Um, so yeah, that's, that's probably how I've learned, um, so a mixture. Uh, there's also sometimes with extended family so like recently I remember I went to like one of my cousin's house in London and somehow like, I think the conversation just turned into something Islamic related and then you know one of my uncles was telling us something and I was like wow I'm like 25 but doesn't matter how old you are like you said you learn all the time yeah. and he was teaching us things that we didn't even know we were like I was happy to learn that so yeah all the time i'm still learning constantly to this day
1: yeah you know growing up in a muslim household i think that you said you know where kids just go to the prayer and they just they don't know what they're doing they're just following their parents yeah. i think it's such a good thing because then they grow up and they're like they think like you know it's normal for us when we re- you see our parents pray and then you just learn the surahs. so you obviously you i don't think you, you don't know the meaning when you're a kid yeah but then when you like when i first uh started to like learn how to pray i remember i did it with my sister because we were just one year apart so my parents they i wouldn't they were used to work all the time a little bit i think because uh, where i lived my community was in muslim then what i did i actually looked up youtube videos when i was like nine on how to pray so even before it was you know obligatory on me i started looking how to pray and what to say and i remember i put the youtube video in like the corner of the prayer and i was with my sister yeah and we were like obviously we were kids so we were like if she pronounced the surah wrong or something, then I would laugh. So it was just, it was like a really fun time. But then we played the video like 50 times, probably just in a corner. of house. I don't even think we were facing Qibla, honestly. I don't know what we're doing. That's
2: so sweet. That's so sweet. Yeah, Yeah, but
1: I think I I remember it so like such a nice moment with my sister when I was learning how to pray. Because I obviously see, like, saw my mom doing it, but I didn't really know because the video had like subtitles on what the surah means, like you know. So I really like liked it doing with, with doing it with my sister, and it's a really good um, moment I feel. And also talking with um, that like you said, extended family is really important. They you, because even if you are from the same family, you all have like different opinions about Islam. Yeah. So now, um, do you feel? Do you guys feel like there are certain things about Islam that you just know because you grew up in a
0: Muslim house? Like I just said, you know. Praying. praying, definitely yeah. the first one would be, I think, praying Salah, like, you watch your parents do it, you join in at a young age, like you said, um, I would say being clean and tidy, you know, because hygiene, especially as well, you just know, it, it doesn't matter, where you're from in the world if you're a muslim that's part of our religion so i think these things are just i'm so grateful that it's just ingrained in me you know for personal hygiene and to keep your space clean as well because if you're going to pray in that place it needs to be a clean place as well um so i think that's one of the things you just just know because you grew up in a muslim household i also
2: think the diet like you know what's halal what's haram be conscious like even you're younger like you don't really know much Islam about Islam, but you know you can't have gelatine, so you have to look for the sweets.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's one big thing when you're young. You have to know, you know,
2: I can't eat that because it's haram because of gelatine. I don't know why it's haram, but I can't eat it. So <laughs> I think that those, those two, I think I know it's Sonia, and I think it's also the dietary things.
1: Sometimes I feel like there's things that we just do like as, as a person, and then we find out that it's Sunnah. I don't know if you guys
0: have you
2: experienced this I have
0: can, you show, can you share one like an example can i share one i, I can, can think th- of one so while you mean i don't know if this is a sunnah or not but um you know when you knock on the door to someone's house you're not supposed like and open you're not supposed to stand like straight on you should be standing at like an angle yes yes, yes like sideways is- so the, you want to articulate from for me Mary, please
2: so um it's uh so the kind of the hadith is, is that you when you knock knocking someone's door The first thing is, actually, if you knock three times and you're supposed to leave because that means you're going to disturb someone. And the second thing is... See, and
0: do not do that anyway, naturally, without even
2: realising, right? Um, but it's more consciously so you're not disturbing someone and the second thing is that you're supposed to stand in an angle because you don't want to uh, intrude their house or personal space or there might be someone in that house that might be a non mehram or you just don't want to in case you know they didn't expect you and their house is a mess or you know their personal it's life respectful it's just respectful yeah. respectful of their of their household because you are entering their household so yeah, there's a lot of
0: sideways yeah, yeah. just standing
2: to in an angle uh, to just to ensure that you don't see anything else happening inside their house
0: so those are two examples, I think, that you do without sometimes even realising that it's part of our religion, but we do naturally anyway. So what were you thinking of an example?
1: I couldn't think of an example, actually, because there's so many things that we do, but I can't think of
0: one. like what about giving to charity? Yeah, I know I mean, that we so give it with intention great. as well, and zakhat as well, but sometimes when you are just on the road and someone has asked, sometimes you do just give to charity, right? And that's... A, you know, not, it's not like it's a Muslim thing. People that are non Muslim give charity, but we also give it part of our religion and just part of you, you want yeah, to do most, it. Right? In the UK,
2: Muslims are the most charitable. Mm-hmm. That's like yeah, statistics
0: I'm not surprised, yeah. To
1: be yeah, I think we, uh, Luton ranked the second one most, uh, Luton? Yeah, That's Charitable. Okay, now I really want to ask this question because I did see um, this girl, she was talking about her journey with Islam and how she grew up in a Muslim household and she said something, she said, sometimes growing up in a Muslim household does not mean you feel Muslim. So I just want to ask you guys, have you ever felt or thought
0: about this? I I have. So obviously because um, you grew up in, like you said, grew up in a Muslim household um culture religion and the way of your living in your family it's all in one it's all jumbled up together there's no differentiation there's no when you practice islam and when you practice your culture it's all happening at the same time um so if you go to another country like if someone asks you like your identity like describe your identity you might not even say muslim but you should of course but the point is it's so within whereas if it was something you actively thought okay this is this part is my religion that i'm doing sometimes let me give you example so say we can't eat gelatine like you said right when you're a young person you don't actually know if that's because of your religion that's because of your family that's because you're vegetarian or that's because you're bengali like you don't know where that's come from so feeling muslim as like that alone it's sometimes it is a bit difficult and confusing because everything's jumbled up together in one um uh, even being British I think sometimes and being Muslim is is kind of linked together some things that British Muslims are different to other Muslims in other countries. Um, so I mean my room which
2: I think for me uh, my experience is a bit different because like, I, I think Islam in my household is quite strong but at the same time once I start to understand what Islam is I could definitely see that the influences a lot through culture so that's where I used to have this I used to feel this contradiction this is not actually Islam but how do I say this to my parents or articulate it when they really believe that this is Islam because it's controversial in culture but they try to make a controversial in Islam but actually Islam is very fluid and it's. It's actually, there's a lot of things that is logical in Islam, that's illogical in culture, and unacceptable in culture. So I think that's something that I really, really struggle with, and I still struggle with today, Um, but also I just choose my battles, Um, so that's kind of my... Experience at home, um, but for me, I think because I faced so much Islamophobia from a very young age, and um, it's uh, quite, quite shockingly not from my peers, it's mostly from teachers people of authority. So, when I was in primary school, I definitely felt that I was uh, alienated for being a very unapologetic Muslim. I'd be very proud about. Uh, being Muslim wearing hijab and I remember I used to you know do my best as a student I remember and this is one of my kind of core cool memories is that I, I, I really liked school and I really enjoyed it and I remember there once the teachers photocopied my work and they gave it all to the students because I was really good at note-taking and I was so happy but I had another teacher she accused me of stealing and the same teacher when we went to a residential she told me to take my hijab off no, and she said so to me wrong. you don't need to wear it here she also I was a very i was quite chubby when i was younger um and when we went to this residential i wasn't wearing hijab number one because she told me to take it off and secondly like i had my son my skin was bulging her because i was quite chubby i was climbing a tree and she put when we came back from residential she put that picture in front of everyone so my skin was showing my hair was showing and everyone laughed at me and i felt so bullied and i just thought I, from a, I, I worked in writing participation, I worked in higher education, and if my child ever told me that, I would 100% report that teacher because that's yeah. against DBS, you literally mm-hmm. infringe their right? And she was a t- training to be a teacher at that time, so I definitely knew that she was, I felt that she was Islamophobic because she also accused me of stealing, when every other teacher in my in my school would say I was a star student, I was top set for everything. Mm-hmm. So that was like my experience of Islamophobia in primary school when i went to sixth form again i had another teacher who was extremely islamophobic he would make very inflammatory comments about religion extremely to the point he started threatening me because i reported him again and so it was quite consistent and it was always by people on authority who are supposed to be the teachers the people that you trust and to be honest whilst it did affect me in terms of my mental health and it gave me huge amounts of anxiety i think at the same time it kind of propelled me that to, keep, to hold tight to Islam because they trying to rob this from me and I want to hold it tighter so it kind of became a catalyst and I think that's kind of what got me into activism and making sure that you know Muslims are advocated for and Muslims in education because I felt that in my experience in education has always been that there's the teachers who are trying to be Islamophobic and stop me from excelling but I don't want other Muslims to feel that and I want them to be able to report that or no, have the tools or skills to be able to t- to articulate how they're feeling or what they're feeling because a lot of the time Muslims don't report it because they feel gaslighted into not reporting it or they minimize their own experience or they reduce it because no one's going to believe what they're saying or they just think that they're they, make, they have experienced this thing and they're t- taking it out of proportion. So for me, this has kind of like allowed me to firstly understand Islam more, but secondly, made me really, really passionate about widening participation, really passionate about advocacy and representation. And that's why I always talk about it, because my experience has been through my education in this country, in the UK, um, has been always it has been quite Islamophobic. But at the same time, I really value the, some of the, qualities of Britain so in terms of mannerisms instead of the first thing you learn the magic words is please and thank you mm-hmm. that's something very intrinsic in our religion to be grateful for, so for someone else to be to give people scope um, and the second thing is about um, being considerate to others, and to have compassion, and be kind, and be generous. These are something that these are qualities that you learn from very young age in Britain. And I feel like if I if I lived in another country, I don't know how much emphasis it would be. And if I feel like this is something that my British identity and my religious identity corresponded, um, I feel like in my cultural identity it didn't correspond as much. Though we have a a good amount of hospita- hospitality it's seen as being weak when you're, when you're too soft or you're, you're seen as too soft or you're, being, you know, you're going to be walked all over you know you should show that you're strong but actually British culture is you're in line with your emotions and you're caring about how the other person receives you you know you, you're conscious about what you say and what you do to be polite to you like it's just something that we're, we always think about so for me it's about I in my head I was differentiating my different identities and what I resonate the most and I still feel like I appreciate my culture and I love the food and I love the practices and I love the hospitality but I feel like my religious identity is encompassing all of it and that's always something that I feel very proud of. I feel like that's the forefront and everything else comes in the back but that's just my personal experience. Everyone has different other kind of views of how they view themselves and that's completely acceptable too.
1: Yeah, for some people, religion like um, comes first. So growing up, I feel like it has such a big impact. And like you said, it made you closer to Islam. Maybe some people get like um, away from Islam and they feel disconnected. Like, why am I doing this? But you know, just remember that God is always by your side. And even if you have these big challenges, and so if you lose something, just know that you know God is gonna replace it always with something better. So not never be, never think that. You're not gonna. You just. You know. God gave up on you because that will never happen. Um, and just like you were talking about, our culture and clashing. I just want to ask you guys. Um. Obviously that, not obviously, but sometimes culture and religion is uh, really linked together in in Islam. So how how what, what are some things that you guys um you guys thought that it was like in religion, but it was actually cultural or.
2: I'm just gonna just try to help. Uh, just saying, are you trying to say that uh, the obviously Muslims are not homogenous, and you know the, your culture isn't a reflection of Islam. Islam has its fiqh and its rules, but how has your culture impacted the way you? I no, know.
0: I think she was trying to say how does religion impact your culture like some things oh. that you when you grow up and you think Well, I can give you an example. So okay. like in um, just to clarify what the question is in uh, a lot of like say I have a friend who's Egyptian and he's a Christian But he will say mashallah and inshallah. Yeah. So I think that's kind of where Cultural. the religion came into the culture
2: Okay, or,
0: or like uh, clothing. So sometimes people like an abaya is a, is a normal piece of clothing in certain cultures whether or not that person is a Muslim or not. Um, but in terms of us, I, what do you think? Has Muslim been infused in our culture in some
2: places? I won't be able to comment on that because I I really don't know. Um,
0: I oh. don't know, to be honest. I think sometimes in clothing. Yeah. So I do think that has a major influence on how our clothes are designed and so on.
2: Um, Oh, I just thought of something. Go on. Graduation. I feel like the the robe that we wear, so the black robe and the square uh, hat, it comes from the Muslims because Muslims are the first one to establish the first university in Morocco. It was actually by sisters. And they wore the abaya. So that was like the representation of the black cloak that we wear. And the square on our head was the Quran. So that's something that's, yeah. So that's something that has been... uh, um,
1: adopted in western culture from uh, religion do yeah. you know about clothing i just thought of one of when i was growing up i um i my mom always told me to dress modestly but i didn't think of it as an like religion. modest yeah i didn't never thought of it as religion because i just thought of everyone in my family dresses modestly so i have to dress modestly mm-hmm. as well so i never thought of it as a as a religion until i was obviously growing up and obviously in that um when you're growing up in a purity. You know that period you always have faces where you don't feel connected to god or maybe you don't know much about their religion but you know you always have you always have your ups and downs with religion and sometimes with culture then it
2: goes on what do you guys think um so i think just quickly i think it is a journey uh, in terms of what Islam is like, but we are coming to the end of the show. So um, it was great to talk about Islam and talking about reflections. Join us next week where we will hold a live show and where we'll t- continue to talk about different topics. Islam Alaikum Warahmatullahi
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast. Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.